Hello, everybody. Welcome to the third episode of Central Rev. This is a podcast through CM Life here on campus, all about registering students, educating them, and getting them to show up at the polls and vote. This is a CM Life podcast. Um, my name is Katie Ellison. I'm the host every week. Sometimes I'm writing solo, and sometimes I have a guest to talk with me about whatever voting questions may come up by CMU students. Um, or anything we're trying to tackle related to misinformation or disinformation when it comes to student voting here on our campus. Today, I am not by myself. I am joined by the lovely Evan Carlson. Evan, would you like to give a little rundown of who you are, what you do, and maybe why voting is important to you? Hi, my name's Evan Carlson. I'm the Communications Director for Central Votes, and I'm a Campus Vote Project Democracy Fellow in which I promote the democratic initiatives for voting across our country and our state. The reason I think voting is important <laughs> is because we all need to make sure our voices are heard and that we have a seat at the table when our representatives cast their votes. Fire up. I feel like we're so formal for any listeners today. I promise we're friends and we talk about voting all the time, but like for some reason, once you're in front of a microphone talking about your favorite topic in the world, it gets a little stressful, but we're riding with it. Um, so today's topic is one I hear all of the time from a bit of an older generation, sort of a question geared to CMU students maybe rather than one that we're asking ourselves, is the topic, why don't young people vote? Why don't they vote? They don't vote. They don't show up at the polls. They don't even care about anything. Kids these days, right? I hear it all the time. Would you agree, Evan? Is that a common narrative? Well, oh, that's definitely a common <laughs> narrative, especially around uh, boomers and what they think about young people currently. It's like, oh, all these young people, they don't do anything, they don't care, blah, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And in reality, it, young people actually really do care. They're just afraid of making a mistake. Ooh, that's a hot take right there, but I have to say I agree with it. I think today we're going to break down a couple of misconceptions or statements. I know I've heard, I'm positive you've heard as well, and probably a lot of you listening have heard um, sort of targeted statements at young people, like young people are apathetic. That's why they don't vote. They don't care. Or they just choose not to vote. Um, for no reason, because they just, it's not something they're worried about. Or young people, this is maybe my favorite, young people are all these liberal college students, and that's all they care about, right? When we're hopefully going to break down a lot of these misconceptions and understand that, one, college students are not some monolithic voting block. College students do really care, as you said. They're passionate people. Um, and a lot of times, spoiler alert, when young people don't vote, there's really good reasons for it. That's not saying that we're encouraging young people to not vote, but hearing them out and understanding that there's really good reasons why they don't register, they don't show up at the polls, um, and valuing that in this conversation. What would you say is the most common statement you hear when you're tabling or doing a voter reg drive, Evan, related to maybe an older person making a statement about young people voting? Do you hear any common trends of like, common trends about young people that older voters make yes that would be a tricky situation because there's not really a common monolithic response among older voters about young people not mm. being involved so probably one of the most common ones is that they just don't care or they they just never show up mm -hmm. and they just leave it at that and they don't really dig into the issue of why this is happening i would agree i think Again, as I say with every topic, like the real reasons why young people don't vote, you could spend a whole like three hour episode talking about all of the different forms of voter suppression that exist in this country, which I'm sure we'll do in a later episode. But today we're going to target the five main statements 
will hear related to young people voting. Um, and these are from the Center for Information and Research on Civic Learning and Engagement, what a mouthful, um, also known as CIRCLE, so I'll probably just refer to it as CIRCLE from now on. They're from Tufts University who does this study um, or this center, and they do a ton of other voting-related studies, like in our first episode with Norma Bailey and myself talked about our MSOLVE data. That is from Tufts University as well. They're really credible um, folks when it comes to studying the youth vote and youth civic engagement. So they outlined um, within the last couple years and update it regularly, but they outlined five common myths and statements associated with the youth vote. So we're going to break them down one through five, maybe talk about how often we hear them, debunk them, um, and really just give our feedback on them. So before I get into them, do you have anything else to say about the youth vote or no, he's shaking his head. Nope. (laughs) I have no additional input. Let's get to it. (laughs) Let's get right to it. So the first one that we maybe hear a lot and we've sort of hinted at it already is that young people are just apathetic. They don't care. It's just something they're not worried about. Let's do this. On a scale of 1 to 10, how often do you hear this and or how often, like, how how much value do you give this statement? Young people are apathetic when it comes to voting. I give this statement zero value. (laughs) And the main reason is that young voters are – they vote by issues. They're not single issue voters. They care about issues. They don't care about political parties. They care about people that are going to deliver solutions from them, and they get turned off by politicians that don't offer substantive policies. And that may be a hot take, but it's true. (laughs) Many students want to hear real solutions, and when they don't, they get turned off. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I've definitely heard it quite a bit on this campus especially maybe students don't use the word apathetic when they're talking to me but they'll be like well I'm not political or it's just not something I've really like been concerned about but once you actually if they're like walking by when we're tabling I'll be like well like do you care about health care do you care about gun rights do you care about literally any issue or even do you care about the board of trustees at this university do you care about pretty much any issue once you get them talking They aren't apathetic at all. I agree. They care about a lot of issues rather than just one issue. I personally don't know really anyone um, of our age range that only cares about one issue and is a single issue voter. But I do know, again, speaking from only my personal experience, I do know some older folks in my life who really only have certain cornerstone issues they really care about. But I I agree. I think young people are really well-rounded and passionate in the issues they care about. So Circle's 2020 data showed that young Asian women, young black women, and young Latinas were the most likely people to talk about politics, participate in elections, and fight racism. And so I think that's really important as we're talking about youth apathy when it comes to voting. Like, one, we know that they're not, both from our own lived experience, but also like the data shows that they're not. And I think it's important to note that the people who are least apathetic are young women of color, which is really powerful. Sorry, do you have anything else to add with that before no, I, I don't. continue with the I data? I agree completely that <laughs> that people of color and marginalized identities, they get out and vote. Yep. In states where voter suppression is still a modern tactic, they get out and they stand in line for 10 hours to mm-hmm. vote. We're looking at you, Georgia. We're looking at you, Texas. <laughs> so Someone had to say it. There's so much at stake, and these young people often make the sacrifice to go and vote, even if it takes 10 or 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in recent youth, too, as youth have increased their civic and political participation, both right in the streets and at the ballot box, that's an important part when we're talking about apathy, is young people a lot of the times 
don't see voting as the one and only way to express their political opinions. Most of the time, like marching in the streets, organizing at the grassroots level, that is young people leading those movements. So I think that's important, too, when we're talking about apathy. Um, but anyways, to get back on the track I was trying to say um, is that young women lead the charge across the board. Um, and in the 2020 election, Circle estimated that voter turnout among young women was 55% compared to 44% a young among young men. What do you have to say about that, Evan? As a young man, what does that statistic make you feel? As a young man, that's it's highly disappointing, yeah. and I'm not going to lie about that. It should the voter turnout among young men and women should be 100%. That's what you, we should always strive for. Mm-hmm. But we can't let perfection get in the way of the good. Mm-hmm. So we should strive to build upon the progress that we've made and increase young women and young men's voter turnout. Awesome. I agree. Do we have anything else to say on the point? The first of five, young people are just apathetic. I think we've debunked it thoroughly, but any last nail in the coffin to people that say that statement? No, listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Shameless plug. When in doubt, guys, if you're ever on the street and you hear someone say, oh, young people, kids these days, they just don't care. Be like, well, I have a great podcast that you should listen to. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love it. Shameless plug. Always be plugging. So... The second one, second point we have that circles outlined for why um, young people maybe don't vote or young adults don't vote is that, well, the youth vote has always been declining. It's been declining for decades. Young people have never voted. And so Evan's giving me a look as soon as I'm saying that. But but the young people just never vote and it's been declining. So what do you expect, right? This is just the population that just doesn't vote in the first place. Any reactions? What out of ten is it another zero, or does this one maybe, maybe this one's I feel like feels a little bit more realistic. This is personal to me. <laughs> so young people actually led the charge to ratify the Twenty Sixth Amendment, which lowered the voting age to eighteen years old. Mm-hmm. And while it has been true that the turnout among eighteen-year-olds has been declining or historically low. It was 18-year-olds that led the charge for the 26th Amendment, which gave them the right to vote, ratified. And that's so crucial because before Mm -hmm. that, you could be drafted into the military and not even be voting for your congressional representatives that declared war or authorized war declarations, and you couldn't even vote for your commander-in-chief that would be sending you into battle. And there's just so much historical importance to that. Young people led the charge, Mm -hmm. old people listened, the amendment was ratified, and young people gained their political voices through this amendment. So take that with what you will, but (laughs) that is my stance on that issue. I totally, totally agree. And I think another shameless plug, right, for we're just plugging our own podcast repeatedly, but in the first episode with Norma Bailey, she talked to me about being part of that generation that couldn't vote when she turned 18. Um, So I, I definitely think that that's something that we forget is such a recent period in time. Like, just a few decades ago, people our age could not vote um, and really face the repercussions of that, um, of government maybe, trying to watch my words, like the government, like, you're <laughs> The government not reacting to its populace. Yes, that's a good way to say it. I agree. And I think whatever that, I think it's, it's good for democracy, right, to have people who are adults being able to represent themselves. Whenever more people vote, that is a good thing. I agree. Absolutely. That's the, if you take one thing away from this entire podcast, more people voting is a good thing. I pulled up some of the statistics here from Circle sort of under this point that the youth vote has always been declining. In 1974, about 
of um, the youth vote voted. This is eight, when we're talking about the youth vote, we mainly mean ages 18 to 24, somewhere in that wheelhouse. Um, in 74, 25% was the youth rate, um, and those were the baby boomer generation, right? Um, it decreased a little in like 1990. We were sitting about 23%. 2002 was pretty low at 19% being some of the lowest we've seen. But in 2018, in a midterm election, the youth voter turnout was the highest it's been at 32%, which doesn't seem like that big of a number. But when you think about a third, almost a third of the youth population voting in a midterm election, so not even a presidential election, like that's a very big chunk of the population. Do you have any reactions? It's a huge deal. And this is my opinion here. I think <laughs> midterm elections are more important than presidential elections Ooh. because in the Constitution, the legislative branch is listed first. That means Congress has more authority than the president or the Supreme Court. So these elections, every election we vote in is so important, whether it be state, local, municipal. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just of paramount importance to any policy or position that you may have. Mm-hmm. I agree. And Circle says that, right, it's true that young people have historically voted at a little bit lower rates than older Americans. Um, but that's not true. That's true for everybody, right? That's true for millennials and Gen Zers. But it was true for baby boomers and Gen Xers, some of these people that are maybe the ones perpetuating this misconception. It's true that young people across the board have been a little bit less civically engaged when it comes to showing up at the voting box, ballot box. But that is trending in the opposite direction. We're now having more and more young people be civically engaged. This trend has been flat over time, but especially in midterms, which we're highlighting in, I think, I agree. I think that midterm elections are arguably the most important because um, they just affect you in, in such a everyday sort of way. Um, and yes. we're not talking about just federal representation. Yes. We're talking about your state legislature. You're, we're talking about your state governor, your lieutenant governor, your attorney general, your secretary of state, your state Supreme Court, if your state elects those justices, which Michigan does, remember to vote on the back of the ballot in your nonpartisan section. (laughs) They are so important. And this is the piece of government that's closest to you. So you're going to make sure that you want to vote in these elections because they'll be more responsive to you than the federal government because Mm -hmm. state government is inherently closer to the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With that, I think we've really debunked that the youth vote has not always been declining. If anything, it's been stagnant and it's looking better. And if anything, the last midterm election, 2018, that was the highest level of youth participation, the highest turnout rate in young voters we've ever seen in a midterm election. So to say that young people have never voted and continue to not vote is just not true. Young people are proving us wrong um, by actually showing up. And obviously we have a midterm election in what 30 some days now so yes it's coming up on us really fast <laughs> 30 33 days 33 i think days at the time of this recording <laughs> until um the election so we're hoping right with 2018 it was the highest and us at central votes and pretty much any any voter advocate as we keep talking about as long as you're voting we don't care who you're voting for we're hoping to see that turnout rate even higher than 2018. We're going to stay the course and change the trajectory of the youth vote and keep it going up. Absolutely. Yeah, we want that graph to just keep trending up and up and up. I agree. I think that the youth vote is something that's just easily dismissed is a big problem, but that's definitely a common sort of narrative. The third of the fifth we have to break down here today, the circle outlines, which I think if 
I'm, I think this one's going to upset you the most. It upsets me <laughs> quite deeply is that young people just choose not to vote. It's just a choice. <laughs> the deep inhale and exhale when you hear that statement <laughs> is, is real. It's real. It is true. Some people just choose not to vote. Mm-hmm. And I may not like it, but that's their choice. It's their right not to vote. But it is also your right and your civic responsibility to vote. Because if you do not vote, you have no voice and you really don't have any right to complain about what's going on in your state, local, or national government. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. I know that's something my mom used to say all the time. Is she's like, if you don't vote, don't complain about it. Obviously, not everybody can vote. So if you can't vote... Feel free to complain. I give you that space and time. (laughs) But if you're not doing anything on election day and it just passes you by and then you're like, oh, shoot, you know what I'm going to do? Pull up my Facebook and start ranting. (laughs) You know, I honor that. But maybe maybe vote, too, alongside that. But (laughs) before we get (laughs) too far off that, the idea that young people just choose not to vote is, in, in my opinion, right, entirely dismissive of the intentional and long-standing barriers that exist, especially when it comes to young people voting. Many young people experience um, uneven and unequal civic education. I think that's a big piece of it and something that I try to do um, with my on-campus job with Central Civics is that education piece. And we really focus on that in the RSO Central Votes is how do we educate students? Because I know a lot of students that didn't even take a government class in high school. If they're from out of state or didn't have that required They just took different classes. They literally have never taken a civics class, a government class. They've never even really thought about these things, and it's something that just passes them by. Do you know anybody that hasn't, like, that just doesn't value civic education or didn't get that experience? Actually, there's a lot of people in our generation that didn't get civic experience because generations before us, they're like, nah, it's not important. Mm -hmm. So they just gutted it, and now we're paying the consequences for having ignored civic education for the last 50 years in reality. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think this is like the amount of reasons that I think this point, young people just choose not to vote, has the most reasons to debunk it. So I think, one, a lack of civic education. How do we expect them to vote or understand why voting is so important if we don't show them and tell them why it's so important in the first place? But also, I think one thing that's really important that maybe people don't totally realize is that young people receive less campaign outreach than older adults, especially since we're moving locations so much or you're living in an on-campus dorm or apartment. Has really any, I know I've lived on campus, this is my senior year, I've lived on campus all four years, either in um, halls on campus or now in apartments on campus. Um, I've never received any like handouts or PR material from any campaigns in my entire time here. I can relate to that. In my two years here, I have not received any campaign-related material, and if you do search for it, you're going to need to look for it, and Mm -hmm. you're going to need to be actively engaged in this process. Mm -hmm. One of the things that candidates and campaigns often say why they don't do outreach for young voters is because, oh, they're so unreliable. I mean, historically, that's true with baby boomers and Gen Xers (laughs) and millennials. But Gen Z and our generation, we're changing that. Mm -hmm. Because as you can see, 2018 was the first election where many Gen Zers could begin to vote. And they broke that turnout record in the middle of a midterm election. Mm -hmm. And then in 2020, 51% of 18 to 24-year-olds voted, right, Katie? Mm -hmm. Yes. So (laughs) we had 51% of people voting in a presidential election. So Mm -hmm. we are changing that. So campaigns need to change the way they do outreach to young voters because we are reliable and we will turn out. Mm -hmm. 
And then with that, like, right, so young people aren't being reached out to. And then the media is sort of, I hate, I hate using the broad term, the media. We love UCM Life. Thank you for letting us use your platform. The media in general is a really, I think, overused term. The media means a lot of things to a lot of different people. But it's kind of an idea that some of these myths that young people don't vote, if those are common trends and maybe just our discourse as Americans, then it shapes a culture where we don't expect young people to vote. And then young people aren't being reached out to, so they don't even feel like their vote matters in the first place. So it's, it's a vicious cycle where young people are just being told, like, your vote doesn't matter. Here's why. It's, it's terrible. Exactly. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> yes. That's what to call it. Exactly. It's, it's, it really breaks my heart because, like, what do we expect of young people? And we just tear them down for not voting, but then we have so many barriers in place. And so one other barrier, right? So that's our second one, right, is this vicious cycle. Number one is um, (laughs) civic education. Number two is this vicious cycle where they're not being reached out to. Number three, I think, is the most obvious form of voter suppression is lack of transportation, long lines, no time off of work or classes, really difficult absentee ballot requirements. Like, there are so many logistical barriers there are even states in this country that do not have online voter registration and that is a huge barrier to many young people how many people know where their clerk's office is exactly (laughs) most people that register to vote in states that offer it register online it's fast and easy in michigan it takes usually five minutes there are states in this country that refuse to have online voter registration Mm -hmm. because they believe it could increase a youth turnout and have an adverse effect on their desired outcome of an election. Mm-hmm. That's one perspective. Mm-hmm. Katie, do you have another perspective <laughs> on that? On, I'm sorry. Can you ask it to me as a question? I was looking at my notes. I'm sorry. So some states <laughs> ha- do not have online voter registration. Yes. In your mind, why do you think these states do that? Oh, I think sort of building on what you said, right? It is clear voter suppression it is a way for us to police who votes and who doesn't vote um when i say us i mean like the government or those making those laws right i understand that a lot of young people are like um us who is this we you're talking about right um (laughs) but people in power um are just right voter suppression um is not gone it is just adapting and evolving and changing and finding new ways to exist in this country and so while we don't have poll taxes or literacy liter oh my god literacy tests we have really strict voter id laws and no online voter registration and no time off to get to the polls on a random tuesday like we are just finding new ways to ensure that the youngest people the oldest people the poorest people and people of color don't vote Exactly. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Jim, it's just so important that we all get out and vote because if our vote didn't matter, people would not be trying to restrict it. Absolutely. I want to throw out a couple of statistics here, which maybe um, might break your heart a little bit as they break mine, but different barriers to voting that Circle has outlined. Um, So no matter of your voter registration status, young people report the most barriers to vote, by the way. So if young people are voting at the lowest rates compared to older generations, but are reporting the most voter suppression, that's a really big problem. With that, 52% of young people said that they needed to rearrange their work or school schedule. 
39% just didn't know where to vote, as you said. Who even really knows their clerk's office right off the top of their head? 26% need help or with their questions about candidates, ballots, and polls and maybe don't know who to go to. 26% also need help um, deciding what is truth versus fake news, especially with social media being the way that a lot of young people get their news. It's really hard for more than a fourth of young people to really know what is true and what is not. 25% of young people are struggling to arrange a ride to the polls, right? I know how many of our students live on campus and don't have a car. Um, luckily, we have places like the ICTIC bus um, and so many other ways that luckily we can help young people get to the polls, but not everybody has that, especially if you're a more rural, rural um, voter. And then 16% of young people reported a barrier being that they just needed to find someone to cover their shift at work. Little everyday stuff like that. If you can't find somebody to cover for you or maybe you called out sick last week and you feel bad asking somebody to cover you this week, like that's a real barrier to voting if you have to work on election day. Do any of those statistics surprise you? Are you like, yeah, expected it or? Oh, I totally expected it. <laughs> Not surprising. The... Young voters are the target of voter suppression. Mm -hmm. It's a fact. Voter suppression is alive and well in this country, and I think these statistics reflect it. Mm -hmm. I agree. And then I also looked into um, 538, which is another really great source for sort of nonpartisan civic engagement education resources. Um, they stated that younger people are much more likely, as I said, than older people to report that they or other members of their household have experienced barriers to voting, which suggests that they may genuinely find it more difficult to cast a ballot for these reasons. So, again, back to the reason that young people choose not to vote. They are the ones raising the red flag repeatedly and saying, I'm trying to vote and you're not letting me. Or you're making it really, really, really hard for me to actually be able to do it. So... I think with that, with this third point here, um, really the reasons why young people don't vote at higher rates is largely because we have not prepared them to do so. We as a country have not prioritized it, and we've um, sometimes instead of even prioritizing it, we've discouraged them repeatedly um, from being engaged. Any last thoughts on that point that young people just, they just choose not to vote? No, many people are forced <laughs> to make an impossible decision. Yeah. Do I vote and sacrifice a day's pay or do I just go to work and not vote? And this is a real problem for many voters, mm -hmm. not just young voters. And that's something we need to recognize and something we need to address as a country. Totally agree. And I think, I think this statement of the five is maybe the one that upsets me the most is that like, it's just a choice they're making or something they don't care about when in reality so many people are trying to vote um, and just don't know how or don't know who to go to or are trying to go to the right people um, and we're making it too hard for them because um, this is a right, not a privilege, right? The right to vote. So with that being said, we're at our fourth of five sort of misconceptions and statements, circle outlined. One of the other myths that they said is that young people are all liberal college students, that we are just a monolith and sort of it doesn't even really matter like it's just all the same chunk of people right it doesn't really there's not a lot of diversity there any reactions to that statement evan i have many reactions to this <laughs> statement many. there is not a single block of voters in this country that acts as a monolith mm -hmm. there's not a single category in this country that supports one party or another 100 percent of this category supports one party or another mm -hmm. it's just not real no group of voters acts as a monolith and college students are not a monolith. Mm -hmm. 
we may skew towards one party or another, but that doesn't mean we all believe the same things. Absolutely. I'm sure you and I disagree on a ton of things. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, yeah, he says. No, I'm sure we do. Um, and I think we're quite similar, right? We both really care about voting and a lot of other similar issues. And I'm positive there's lots of things that even between this tiny podcast room we're recording in, there's lots we disagree on. Um, but with that, sort of with the idea that we're not maybe a diverse population and our voting um, trends might, you know, whatever the misconception is with young people and all being the same, is I want to break down a lot of statistical reasons why that's not true. Um, there are almost 50 million eligible voters ages 18 to 29 in this country right now. And that's not just that age group. That's eligible voters, 49 million at least. Like, do you think that all 49 million of us are just exactly the same, check all the same boxes on every ballot? Of course not. 15 million people have turned 18 since the 2016 presidential election. That's a lot of people. <laughs> That's a lot of people. And going back to getting 49 million people to agree, mm -hmm. well, we can look at how our uh, super functional United States Congress and see that not even 100 senators can agree on anything. <laughs> so how do we think 49 million people could agree on the exact same thing? I, I think that's a very, very good question to be asking. And I, I don't know how we could expect that. <laughs> um, sort of with this emphasis on how diverse young people are in this country, only 25% of them are college graduates, so the idea that we're all these liberal young college students when the majority of us have no college experience. In fact, the majority, or not the majority, um, but a giant chunk, 21% have more than one parent born outside the U.S., and 5% of us of this age group were born outside the U.S. ourselves. So there's just a giant chunk of diversity there, and that's not even touching on our different marriage rates and if we have children or not and what we're studying if you are in college, where you come from, whether it be a big city or a small town. Like, there is so much diversity within all of these different sort of characteristics. No matter how you split it, there is no such thing as a monolithic youth vote. I 100% <laughs> agree with that. There's, there's just no contesting that one group is a monolith. It's... It's just false. Mm -hmm. I'm like looking at you shaking your head too while we're recording this, and it just <laughs> makes me laugh. I too have another um, sort of breakdown pulled up here from Circle that says the youth vote choice has varied widely, looking at the 2016 election on a statewide basis of what states of young people, again, ages 18 to 29 in this study, um, who voted for who in the 2016 election. So Right, sure, it may be no surprise, 66% of young people in California voted for Hillary Clinton to 23% voting for Donald Trump. Um, but like in Texas, or Texas, Texas is 55% to 36% Clinton to Trump. But in states like Nevada, oh my gosh, sorry, I, I like can't read my numbers right now. <laughs> states like Nevada was 52 to 35 in Iowa, Trump won the youth vote with 48% of the vote. In Indiana, it was tied. Like, there is no across the board in, a, in every single state shown on this map right here that I'm looking at. Every single breakdown was different of the youth vote, and I think that's really important. That was in 2016, and we've become even more diverse as a country since then. So this diversity rate or the idea that young people are all these liberal college students is totally not true at all. I will give credence to the fact that it is true 
in very recent history that young people have begun favoring Democrats in just the past few elections. We can look at the numbers and say that, yes, that is kind of true. Like I was just saying, in 2016, the national vote was around 55% for Clinton to 30-some percent Trump, around 36% for Trump at the national level. But this is not, again, as I said, a very recent trend and not uniform across the country. In seven of the last presidential elections, young voters have either preferred the Republican candidate or favored the Democrat by less than five percentage points. So it's been really close, if not right-leaning, in a lot of cases, um, in the majority of cases. So while the youth support for the Democratic Party or liberal values may have widened slightly in very, very recent years, in 2016, President Trump won or tied Hillary Clinton among, um, among youth votes in states like Iowa, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, Utah, and Indiana. Like he is winning, he was winning the youth vote. And I think it was close in 2020 as well in a lot of those same states and other states. Like the idea that young people just are all vote blue. I mean, our college Republicans on this campus, you got to give them credit. They're popping. They have a really huge voter base. They, they are. They're doing an absolutely fantastic job, I hands agree, down. Yeah. I you can't argue with that. Both parties, um, they are increasingly going to need to respond to what young voters want, and I think the reason that young voters have been trending Democratic, and this is my opinion, is because that Democratic politicians typically respond better to younger voters. And I think that's a recent trend. We will see if that keeps up or not. Mm -hmm. But I think I agree. I think the idea that it's been it's always been this way and that's just who young people are. I know like one of my <laughs> one of my best friends goes to Grand Valley State University, um, which, again, that that university and their political leans are like wild. They, I love to do a case study on GVSU. But anchor up. Anchor up. Yeah. <laughs> <But> with that. <laughs> um I remember her family was like, oh, you got to college and you turned into a liberal or something like that. Like, that is such a common narrative. And she's like, no, like, that's not what happened. That's not how Allendale is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go to Allendale once and you'll see, you'll see what it's like. Okay, so that is the fourth out of fifth. We have one last point that Circle outlined. Um, any last comments on young people just being liberal college students? We're not a monolith. Don't define us as such. Ooh, put that on a t-shirt. That's good. <laughs> um, so the last one, I actually, you know, I've said this with everyone that I think this one's going to upset you the most. I really do think this one specifically <laughs> is going to upset you the most is that the myth is, or the common sentiment we'll hear, young voters don't impact elections. Oh my goodness. The eye rolls in this <laughs> recording booth are off the charts. That is a big lie it's it's not that's not true young voters impact every single election Mm -hmm. every single one i agree and i think it goes back to the vicious cycle we were talking about political parties campaigns and other sort of stakeholders in our democracy our political system think that the youth vote doesn't help them win or doesn't matter then they don't invest in reaching out to these young people which like depresses their participation in the first place and feeds that narrative that young people don't show up and don't matter. And then the candidates lose. And then the candidates lose. <laughs> yeah. Politicians need to be aware that young voters are aware, and if they are ignored, they will vote and respond accordingly. 
Absolutely. It's as simple as that. Absolutely. And I think Michigan actually is a really great case study for this. It we're, is. We're a swing state. We're a purple state, whatever you want to call us, at least looking back at 2016, too. Like our margin of the presidential margin of victory in our state is the smallest. Yeah, um, exactly. Michigan was the closest state as a term of a percentage in 2016. Mm-hmm. It's it. And I think the idea this sort of goes back to things we've talked about both in Central Votes and in my last podcast episode, I was talking about, um, you know, why people feel like their votes don't matter in instances where they totally have and they've broken ties and it's been really close and dramatic. Um, but feeding to the idea that young voters don't impact elections implies that, like, certain people's votes don't matter or don't count. And that is the most undemocratic thing I could think of. Like, to tell someone or even a giant population of people like young voters that they don't impact elections says that their votes don't count. Exactly. Just remember this. Whenever somebody tells you your vote doesn't matter, your vote counts the exact same amount of times as a billionaire does. Mm -hmm. They still get one vote. Mm -hmm. Just remember that next time you step into your polling location. <laughs> Just remember that. We're, like, going to have a little fact sheet of all the little fast facts. But we're, like, <laughs> to empower you when you show up on Election Day. Um, but, yeah, I think it's really important in recent elections we've seen that the youth vote – I, young voters and the youth vote, whatever you want to call it. I think sometimes the youth vote is kind of a goofy name to call it, but it is. But a lot of times they call it the youth vote, right? But the youth vote um, is often really influential or like the deciding factor in a lot of cases. Throwing it back to 2012, I was 11 years old. Um, young voters swung the vote in Ohio, Florida, Virginia, and Pennsylvania for President Obama. And if Mitt Romney had managed to just spl not even win the youth vote, but just split it, in any of those states, he would have won the enough electoral votes and became the president instead of Obama. Exactly. And this applies to other elections as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, look back at Florida in 2000. The state of Florida was decided by less than 600 votes. Mm -hmm. Don't let anybody tell you your vote doesn't matter because something like that could happen again. Yeah. And in, and I mean, yeah, that was 2012, 2000. And then in 2016, young people cast many times, many times more votes than the margin of victory in key states like Florida, Pennsylvania. Whoop, whoop. Shout out Michigan for bringing up the youth vote, um, as well as in North Carolina, that literally those states were some of the ones that decided the entire election in 2018. Young people, again, we're seeing a common trend here, right? Every single presidential election um, in recent history, young people were the driving force behind the wave of Democrats. Again, as we just debunked, we don't always vote for Democrats, but it's been a bit of a recent trend. Um, but young people were came out in really big numbers in 2018 to sort of drive the blue wave, whatever you wanted to call it, um, and helped decide key statewide races in states like Wisconsin or Montana or Nevada. And I think it's important in this conversation, too, to mention the role that young people of color played. I know we mentioned that in the beginning, but I think there are young people of color, especially young women of color, are the common thread um, of making our democracy better. To put it in the most clearest terms, they are the foundation for <laughs> improving civic engagement and voter education in this country as young women of color. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so those were our five points. I don't think so. Now that we've covered all five of our misconceptions outlined by Circle at Tufts, do we have any any main thoughts that are really sticking with us, Evan, after 
sort of seeing these five reasons that we're apathetic, that we've always never voted, that we're choosing not to vote, that we're all the same, or that we just don't impact elections. Any lasting thoughts? The biggest one is that all five of those points are are false. Mm -hmm. Young voters in particular impact every single election they vote in, no matter what generation it is. It could be it could have been baby boomers, Gen Xers. Millennials, now it's our turn to impact elections. I love that. It is our turn. So with that, right, backing back to the main question we're asking in this episode is why don't young people vote? We've sort of debunked all the reasons why they don't and shown that they often try to and are passionate and engaged and it's just difficult for them um, for a ton of different reasons. Um, but I sort of turned to a New York Times article that I felt really valuable that summed up, asked a couple experts what would boost the youth turnout rate in the United States? Because we do vote at quite a low rate compared to other countries of the sort of same socioeconomic. Socioeconomic status. Yes, you that's got the her. word, SES, yes. Um, and so they say in the short term, the goal is get young people the very specific information that they need to register and make it to the polls. People say that it's not that hard to vote. And experts in the field say, yes, it is. There's different rules in every state, and every state may have more lenient or even really strict rules. Casting a ballot and making sure you have the education and the actual tools to show up it can be really difficult and tricky with everything from registration to how you're getting to the polls on election day. Medium term, we need to work as a country to reduce these systemic barriers, especially when it comes to registration things like voter turnout when it comes to IDs, all of that stuff that is really long-term systemic barriers that we know exist for very intentional reasons that encourage lots of different people from voting, but especially young people. The long-term, we need to reimagine civics education in this country. A lot of people don't vote just because they don't know what's on the ballot and they don't know how to even begin these conversations. And so if you've never taken a government, civics, never thought about this kind of stuff, um, how would we expect you to be able to vote and show up and be civically engaged? Um, and I think it's really important. Circle outlines at the New York Times outlines at pretty much any um, sort of authority in the youth vote space is that there is no one thing that will fix everything for us. There is a lot of things we need to do to improve the status of young people and encourage them to use their vote and as their voice. But we're going to get there, I think. And I think we're trying to do that in a very, very small part by recording this podcast, right? Like, this is one step. This is one way to maybe educate people. Maybe we're thinking about the long term on getting them those resources, making them civically engaged. Do you have any thoughts on any of these short, long, medium term things outlined? We need to maintain our civic engagement and keep on voting. Make a plan, vote, and just shout out to michigan.gov slash vote. If you haven't registered yet, you have until October 24th. (laughs) Make sure you do it online before then. And even if you don't, you can register at your clerk's office Mm -hmm. in Michigan. Remember that. Up until election day. Which I think is like another reason where it's like, why do we stop? I know we're supposed to be wrapping this podcast up right now, but... There's not a ton of really good reasons why we don't have online same-day voter registration, that we have such a long deadline before where we need to push to get everybody registered, and then if it's those two-plus two weeks before the election, go to your clerk. It's like, hmm. 
just another little barrier loophole we're working with. Um, but again, I think that goes to the education piece in the long term is making sure students are aware of all of these things, teaching them more about how to vote, planting those seeds um, so that they develop voting habits when they're really young um, and once they first can start voting. With that, if you have nothing else to say, Evan, thank you so much for joining me on our third episode of Central Rev, Register, Educate, Vote. Um, I really appreciate this conversation. I think that this is a podcast by young people who care about voting, trying to get other young people to care about voting if they don't. Um, so I think this was a really valuable conversation. And again, shameless plug, michigan.gov slash vote, register to vote, show up on election day. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, topics you want to see us cover in a future episode, feel free to drop them on our socials. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week.